Welcome, welcome everybody back to a new episode of the UW Film Club podcast, where each week we invite a member of the club onto the show to talk about a film of their choice, whether it be good, bad, topically relevant, or anything in between. It is all on the table. I'm your host, Rohan Patel, and joining me, finally, we have a member of the club because we're back in the rhythm of school, is Drew Favors. Uh, Drew, how you doing, man? Great. Thank you for having me, Rohan. Cool, cool. Um, how's the day been so far? Pretty good. Woke up, got ready to do this. <laughs> this sounds like a good plan. Um, we're about to head into Thanksgiving, so any any big plans for Thanksgiving? Yeah, I'm going to fly back home, go meet some family after a, a long quarter. I'm really excited, get to have some good food. But yeah, how about you? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to be um, I'm spending the first half of the break up until like Friday just going to see my family. My brother and I, we have like a list of movies we want to see together because <laughs> um, he's back from college and then... Um, after that, I'm just I'm just gonna come back here work for the weekend, and we're back into week nine or week ten. I don't even know what the numbers. Is it week nine? It's yeah, crazy. it's crazy. Oh, wow. Oh my god, the quarter system makes me feel so old so fast. Oh my god. I <laughs> <laughs> you know. Talk about it. Yeah. Um, cool. So today we are talking about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, um, Drew's choice for this week. Um, before we get into anything related to the movie, you know, uh, we'll give a little plot synopsis in case you have not watched Spider-Verse, which I would personally say go watch Spider-Verse before you, uh, you listen to this. It's a really great, great film. But yeah, so, um, the film animated, uh, opens with an introduction to Peter Parker, um, going through his basic origin story on how he became Spider-Man. And then we cut to the life of Miles Morales, who is a teenager living in Brooklyn, whose father, Jefferson, is a police officer. Miles is about to enter a highly selective Brooklyn school dormitory thing for uh, high schoolers. After a rough first day there, though, he doesn't feel like he quite fits in. He goes and visits his uncle, Aaron, who takes him into the subway tunnels just to paint some graffiti, spend some good time with him. As he leaves the tunnel in the subway, Miles is bitten by a radioactive spider. And over the course of the next day, he sort of begins to realize his powers in quite funny ways. Um, he returns back to the subway just to see, make sure that this was a radioactive spider, that he's not going crazy. And when he's there, he's lured through some another tunnel into a la- large hadron collider built by the film's main antagonist, Kingpin. There he sees uh, Peter Parker's Spider-Man trying to disable the collider by plugging in a thingamajig, a USB, um, but he's stopped by Green Goblin and Prowler, and Green Goblin, just as the collider begins to activate, shoves Peter Parker into the opening of this large hadron collider of sorts, causing the entire machine to implode. In the aftermath, Miles finds a now wary Peter Parker, who, re- upon realizing Miles' you know ability through his spidey sense, um, gives him the USB and asks him to like go finish the job, shut it down. Uh, Miles hides as he hears Kingpin approaches, and Kingpin ends up killing Peter Parker in this universe. Miles then wanders the city, trying to reconcile, you know, him essentially being the new Spider-Man. He tries to practice web-slinging in the process, so he fails and breaks the USB. He goes to the grave of Peter Parker, where he has an altercation with Peter B. Parker, who is an older version of Spider-Man from a different dimension. Um, we begin to realize that by shoving Peter Parker into the Large Hadron Collider as it was opening, this opened a portal to different dimensions. After talking to Parker, 
uh, after talking with Parker, Miles and him, uh, B. Parker and the new Parker, decide to shut down the portal. They go upstate uh, to upstate New York to Kingpin, Kingpin's like scientific facility to get a new USB. And there they encounter Doc, Doc Ock, who alerts Parker that he will die if he stays in this dimension. His cells are just like going all crazy. Um, they're able to steal the computer uh, with the help of Gwen Stacy, Spider Gwen, um, who is another being from a different dimension. Uh, to make the USB though, um, from the computer they go visit the Aunt May of the Peter Parker in this dimension, um, where she introduces the, 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 this trio to another three spider beings, um, that being Spider-Man Noir, Penny Parker, Spider-Ham. Um, they end up making you a new USB and Miles insists that he will shut down the portal so that they can all return home and that none of them will die. Um, but the other spider beings are really hesitant given his very apparent lack of experience and lack of confidence. Um, dismayed by you know their their lack of faith in him, Miles goes to his uncle Aaron, where he learns that Aaron is actually the Prowler from before. Um, Aaron, not realizing that it's Miles, uh, chases him back to Ame's home, where he gets other villains like Scorpio, Doc Ock, Green Ock, Goblin, other people we've seen in the past in the movie, and they try to get the USB, fighting all six of the Spider Beings. Aaron has a confrontation with Miles and ends up unmasking him. Uh, realizing that it's Miles, Aaron does not kill him, but Kingpin from the street sees us and ends up shooting Aaron and killing him. After the brawl, Miles sort of returns to his dorm room. He insists that, again, to the spider beings, they, say, they manage to keep the USB, but they insist that they will, that he will um, get them back to their dimensions, but they end up tying him up in his chair and, tell, and Peter B. Parker decides he will be the one to close the portal once Kingpin reopens it again. Stuck in his chair, um, Miles' father ends up knocking on his door. Um, he goes there to tell him about Uncle Aaron's death and sort of has this really like emotional apology for like all the past mistakes and wanting to you know be closer to Miles. Miles hears this and there's sort of this moment of epiphany. He has now the faith, the confidence a really cool sequence. He learns how to use his powers. And as the other Spider-Lings enter the collider, they're met by the villains. Miles enters, though, and is able to get them all back to their dimensions. He ends up defeating Kingpin and becomes a new Spider-Man in this dimension. Um, so that's a relatively, relatively succinct plot <laughs> synopsis. I don't know. It was There's, great. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I'll start off with this because we... In the last 10 or so podcasts we've just chosen. And so I want to know, why did you choose this film? So Into the Spider-Verse for me was like kind of one of those films where I was really excited for it. I saw all the promos coming out about it. And I was just really intrigued because I didn't actually know much about the story of Miles Morales. He's kind of one of the newer characters in the Marvel Universe, but has since become so popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this movie kind of captured that perfectly. It's just, it's um, something you can relate to, anyone can relate to, if you truly break down the movie, and you just kind of leave the movie with this sense of awe, not just for the characters and the plot, but also the animation, which I, we can definitely talk about. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot to talk about in terms of how inventive the film is in terms of the animation genre itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Like, I only remember really seeing the... Uh, like the 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 thirty second teaser they put out, where yeah. like he's just running, and I was very confused because 
I mean, it is revolutionary. You know, I have not, I have not seen Miles Morales on screen. He's since become also the really good PS video game <laughs> character. Um, really but yeah, I hadn't really seen Miles Morales, and I mean, Spider Man was the first superhero film I ever saw. So like, I, me and my brother, we we went opening night. We saw it. I was completely blown away. Like I heard good things about it, but I just was not expecting this level of animation, this level of superhero storytelling to take it, something that we've already seen so many times and make it feel new and make it feel great, which, you know, that's a whole conversation we could probably get into later. But um, but yeah, let's start with the animation style. If you have, even if you go, if you're listening to this right now and you have not seen the film, take a second to just open Google and search up the, like, frames from the film because yes. the the way Absolutely. yeah the way they animated this was so interesting i was reading a bit about this before we started talking and it it, t- it took them actually because they announced this back in like 2015 yeah 2014 yeah, yeah so it took them about actually four years to animate the whole film which is crazy but when you look at the way they play with frame rates the way the art sort of harkens back to the comic book style i think it's yeah. really great any thoughts on that I mean, I mean, you kind of touched on kind of everything, especially with uh, with frame rates. I, I just I, there's there's a scene in particular. I think it's been if you know the movie, kind of engage with other people, they bring this up. But there's a scene uh, in a forest actually at the Alchemax lab. Yeah, when they're stealing the the computer. Yeah. Yeah. There's there uh, Miles Morales. There's a term in animation. I think it's called um, on twos. Like you, when you animate on twos, is like usually uh, the typical animation process that you animate twenty four frames per frames per second. That's actually on ones, um, and so Miles Morales for just saving time and also like the look isn't too damaged. Uh, people animate on twos. You actually save some time there. Um, you just kind of repeat the same frame twice, and so Miles Morales like almost the whole movie he was basically uh, he was like animated on twos. Um, but Peter B. Parker, when they're both running away together in the forest, he's actually animated on ones. So as they're swinging together, mm-hmm. um, you notice that Miles is kind of picking up the swinging thing that he was struggling with so much before. But eventually the animators decided to, when they kind of get in sync, they shift from animating Miles on twos to on ones. So they actually mm-hmm. sync up together both in frame rate and in the film. And I just think that's... Uh, very reflective of like the growth that Miles yeah. is experiencing in the movie. Using the technical aspect of animation itself to enhance the character. Definitely. Like it, it's hard because you, you really don't notice it, notice it. Yeah. And like yeah. I didn't notice it the first time, but like when you think about like thinking about it now, it does make sense because like when I first watched the movie, um, definitely the frame rate itself was very slow with Miles in the beginning. So mm-hmm. it's very jarring to see it's sort of like almost jump cuts in a way. Yeah, like it's, yeah. It keeps doing jump cuts. And so I I thought that was really strange initially. Mm-hmm. But now knowing, now, now re-watching it and reading about that and hearing that from you, it's, yeah, that's, a, it's I mean, ingenious. Yeah, like, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's a strange thing. But you also said that animation kind of, drives development in this movie and i think that's a very key thing of why the animation is so important and revolutionary i mean this it took a team of 180 animators in total to produce this film i mean it's the largest crew that sony picture animations ever hired yeah. for a film to date uh i just i think it shows i mean every little thing actually i just want to touch on something really cool yeah go for it uh phil lord and christopher miller yes. are two of my favorite like producers like 
of all time. Creatives. I think Miller's from Everett, actually. He is. Yeah, which I, I learned. Yeah. Like, I was watching an interview. I was like, wow. Look a boy. <laughs> then they both met at Dartmouth and okay. there it's history. But I think the way that they kind of bring a group of animators together and use their ideas is one of the things that makes their movie so well. Yeah. I, or just so good. I mean, there is a part where Miles literally throws a bagel at one of the employees. And if you look really closely, <laughs> one of the action lines that comes out just says bagel, bagel in all caps. <laughs> I think that is so funny. And one of the animators pitched it. And they took it seriously and ran with it. And I think it's just those small details are what kind of build a sense of community and like passion throughout the film. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's like some of the things that can obviously get lost in a lot of other mm-hmm. animation where you're not seeing the form really being experimented on such a grand level. Like you think of the IP of Spider-Man and just how, how much as a studio you would think, oh, executives would be like, no, don't do it. Like, the, yeah. don't. Don't keep just throwing ideas at the wall because, you know, it's Spider-Man. It's not, we're going to make money, so don't break it. You know, it's like, <laughs> I did not know that the team making, it's similar to Pixar when I think about it and sort of like mm-hmm. how collaborative that process is in terms of the storytelling, but mm-hmm. on an animation level, which is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, you, you for a project like these, you really have to bring in the whole team, get them all involved because diversity in ideas really really helps in animation because you can do whatever you want with the medium it's re- it's a really special thing where like you're not limited to just real life and a camera you can do whatever you want you can draw whatever you want and i think um miller and lord that that duo really really do their best to bring in every idea yeah i mean like i, I have not seen like a bad animation like i i, I I'm, oh. like I, do you watch the uh, the mitchells versus the machines earlier this love year? that movie it's great and it's i was so good yeah i was i, I was kind of disappointed because i was like if they dropped it now this would be like definitely <laughs> at the forefront of like the oscars and stuff like that oh my gosh um, i know honestly like yeah go see that lego movie lego, LEGO movie. movie's great uh, Deep Cut, go see Clone High. That was one of their first projects. Clone High is so yeah. like we watched me and my roommates. We watched clips from it. I didn't realize it was Lord and Miller, but I was just and then I looked it up later. I was like, that was them. Yeah, that's them. That's them right there. Yeah, I mean the animation style also like very much takes like the stencil like at certain moments. I just I appreciate like the detail of like you could see like the stencil sort of the dots like yeah, you would see on like a printed comic book. Yes, which is I think really really well it. It's definitely like a treat. Like we talk, like Marvel talks about how like they're really loyal to the fans, especially the comic book genre. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's really hard to see that. But with this animation style, you definitely see like the storytellers have a love and appreciation for the medium that it comes from, mm-hmm. which is just it, it's really nice to see that little touch. It is not necessary, but it is. Great, you know? I mean, the opening shot literally just has the approved by the Comics Code <laughs> Authority stamp. Like, you, you know from the from the, from the get-go that they are going to be true and loyal. Make this, like, a living comic book. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of that, I think that brings up, like, the actual use of comic books in there. And, I, and yeah. this is the one thing that, I mean, I, I spoke about it a few minutes ago, but sort of how refreshing the film feels and so like i like i was talking about in the plot synopsis the beginning introduces peter parker at this point most people are quite familiar with the whole local band great power oh, yeah. responsibility the whole origin story is really already well established and most people that are coming into this movie kind of already know it but at the same time i think the film you know it has some groundwork to cover there and so 
the use of the comic book in sort of introducing that and bringing it back again and again with all the existing Spider-Man and then Miles Morales at the end. <sighs> oh my gosh. It's really, it's interesting because <laughs> it's myth-making sort of in the process of the film itself. Mm-hmm. Like, I think about sort of how Logan, completely different movie in oh, tone, yeah. did the exact same thing and sort of understanding sort of the tropes of the genre and acknowledging it while at the same time, you know, trying to reaffirm it and push it forward. Yeah, it's just really interesting how, how it cycles through the genre. I mean, I, I think the whole idea of the comic book plays a huge, huge role, like you said, in the movie. I mean, each time a character is introduced, you get their comic book cover. So mm-hmm. it's like sort of like certifying and placing themselves in the realm of the movie. Till, till like the very end, yeah, Miles doesn't get a cover. The way they play with that is really, really unique. I mean, a comic book cover is almost like not necessarily an origin story, but like you becoming a spider person. Mm-hmm. So when whenever he gets that cover, he he uh, he makes his own kind of path. He he actually really becomes that Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, and I I think it's really clever how you know there's there's sort of it, it's a whole debate in like superhero and like just general like familiar IP with like sort of intertextuality between like what's already been made and what's happening now. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading um, that like. Early in the process, they were like, oh, we're going to have a whole scene with, like... They were actually debating, like, should Tobey Maguire be voicing... Sp- I, I forget oh, if, really? it, if it was... I think it, if it was this Peter Parker or Par- Par- Peter B. Parker. But oh, okay. there was a whole discussion about, like, oh, he should be voicing it. And then I think it's really smart. I mean, the reason that I was reading that they said they didn't do it was to avoid confusion, which right. I right. definitely agree I mean, Sony's intention was to make this sort of part of the live-action canon, which is interesting. I don't know if you've seen the Spider-Man New Way Home, the the New Way Home, oh, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like sort of oh. the way, that, sort of the way that like the whole multiverse breaks is very colorful and similar to the way it broke in the Spider-Verse. Of, yeah, the number of theories I've already read how much it just the color palette in like the the collider scene, the breakdown in the end, yeah. is very similar to the uh, what's revealed in the trailer yeah. for No Way Home. So yeah, don't worry, I've already looked at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think the I think the way that sort of Sony is trying to position Spider Man in terms of like having this whole um, on the one hand, I, I hate just how much I'm invested in this. Oh yeah, in this I mean, uh, because like. <laughs> I like I I love the Raimi Spider Man so much like that that's one of the early superhero movies that I I, I can't remember anything before that in terms of superhero stuff mm-hmm. so I have to go see it yeah 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 I don't know and I'm I'm sort of glad that there's to this point I'm glad I'm living in, in a moment of time where it's not totally connected to anything that's happening in the live action so yeah I definitely love sort of how. It is bringing in new spider beings, but it's also its own standalone thing. Granted, there's a sequel coming out next year, yeah. but like, um, yeah, super interesting. I mean, I kind of like the idea that it's not currently connected to the Marvel Studios, yeah. like the MCU. I just, I think what Sony Pictures did while they had the had the actual IP to and like rights Spider-Man mm-hmm. was was great. I think it was kind of exactly what everyone needed in terms of breaking down the spider-man character yeah because i remember i was watching an interview with stan lee like probably either in the 2000s or the 90s when he was telling the story of how he created spider-man like 
no one wanted him to do it. it he was like, I'm going to make the superhero a teenager. Yeah. I'm going to make him have problems. Yeah. And I'm going to make him have some weird powers, I guess. And he was immediately shot down. So he published it independently. And then the producer came back. He's like, this idea is great. Yeah. I don't know why we didn't do it before. He's one of the most unique, I think, characters. And it shows. I mean, almost everyone's favorite superhero is Spider-Man. Yeah. Everyone knows Spider-Man. Yeah. And I, I definitely think, like, if if there is a person to be recognized right now, it's, like, Spider-Man. In Like, like if there... I've seen many debates on this. We don't have to go into it, but, like, the whole new face of the Marvel Cinematic Universe or whatever. Yeah. But spoiler alert, Tony Stark died. Um, wow. But, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but, like... I, I think like most teenagers are going to recognize Tom Holland over any other superhero in the MCU, which mm-hmm. I think just speaks to yeah, he's hilarious in the sense that like he has the same sort of weird problems of like far from home. I think the best part was just him trying to ask Zendaya out on a date. Like, <laughs> like for I, I love Jake Gyllenhaal, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. props to the craziness that is him, but like. Um, I don't know. I just I just find that element, and that's what I think they brought out so well in this particular story was just the humor and the honesty. I think really worked and was really really well balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, the tone, you know, I, live action films struggle with a lot of tone in terms of like humor in one moment, yes, and yeah, then actually emotional like gravitas in the next scene and I, I it's a really hard thing to pull off and i think they did it so well in the writing here for sure i mean you talked about how it would have been confusing right Tommy mcguire was peter b parker yeah and that would have yeah that wouldn't have worked but jake johnson yeah he stepped in and filled the role and did it fantastically i mean he he totally totally did what he could to make it funny relatable and sad yeah, I don't know. I just think I'm I'm a big fan of Jake Johnson, so I think uh, yeah. his work as Peter B. Parker was great. I mean, New Girl's great. Yeah, New Girl's great. <laughs> New, Girl's New Girl's great. great. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like like his introduction too. Is like, oh yeah, we're, Spider-Man, 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 eating pizza in the shower, having spiders. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, traveling through dimensions really adds some weight to the gut. It's like, oh man. I, if I could only use that excuse every time. <laughs> I mean, he, he 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 balances humor and drama really well. Like mm-hmm. he has these very serious moments with Miles as his like pseudo mentor while the universe is about to break down. Yeah, uh, that's hard to do. And you said that's you can't do that in live action, and I agree. Like you have these huge jumps in animation, but it works really well at handling different kinds of emotions. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. And I I think also. Um, going beyond that I think the humor is just elevated always when like you see the other spider beings mm-hmm. like Spider-Man Noir and the darkness <laughs> the, the cast is so good it's I so mean, good Nicholas Ca- like, Cage Nick- Shameik Moore Shameik Moore yes uh, Haley Steinfeld John mm-hmm. Mulaney as Spider-Ham which is like I, I was <laughs> I was watching an interview the other day just you know keeping up with Spider-Verse stuff and he was just like yeah they basically like told me do you want to be in this movie and he's like what movie is it and they're like they, I can't say and so he just went in and they did like a voice test and um, there's a lot of bloopers with him just like spewing out um, um, some pretty pretty 
the, uh, edgy language there for you either yeah. team. Yes. Good one. Um, which was really funny. Um, I think the internet's somewhere on you. Or the, not the internet. The interview is somewhere on the internet that is on YouTube. Yes. It's anywhere. But yeah, the writing I think is good. But I mean, I, I was thinking about this also. It's like, I think, I don't know. I get into these really weird phases where I'm just like, okay, now it's time to watch every clip from, you know, No Country for All Men. Yes. I, I do yes. that on YouTube. And okay. I've been doing that yeah. with the, the Dark Knight specifically. And the the big thing with The Dark Knight, which, I mean, we don't have to compare the two films, but um, the big thing was just the Joker in there. And, like, you, th- you I hear one of the biggest critiques of superhero films being the villain is usually very, very weak. Like, um, you think about sort of probably, like, recent examples, like um, Black Widow. Um, okay. Like, yeah. this past summer, like, people were like, the, the, the villain wasn't used that well. Um, yeah. It's really complicated, perhaps politically, but like also just like like Taskmaster seemed really cool, and then I don't know Taskmaster. If you have not listened to Black Widow, <laughs> in there quite a limited time only. So I, I think it's really interesting to hear critics, general people. I mean, everybody's a critic, but like every like general people just saying, "Oh, that's the problem with most superhero films," but here. Um, I think it's a, sort of the same problem. I don't know what you felt about Kingpin. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, we could talk about the Prowler. Yeah, Prowl- I think Prowler's much more of... Well, yeah. I, I think he sort of has a much more complicated role in terms of, like, quote-unquote villain. But uh, Okay, for Kingpin, I mean, yeah, he's definitely set up as the main villain. I mean, oh my god, he literally consumes the entire frame when yeah. he enters a room. He's so big. Yeah. Um, and they, they did that pretty well. It's just an entire black screen with his face. I mean, you kind of, at the get-go, once again, you just know he's the villain, but I think he does his job pretty well in just being sort of this antagonistic force without being bad. <laughs> I mean, I... I he's like, just a driving point. In the he, he, he's a driving point, and I did sort of appreciate in the writing they tried to give him the whole flashback of like oh i'm doing this because mm-hmm. they saw me try to kill spider-man and then they ran out and they died and so i blame spider-man so i'm gonna bring them back mm-hmm. which like you know typical i i have a problem and i'm like yeah that's a problem i'd like to fix and then they they fix it in the most insane ways possible yeah i mean that's that's pretty formulaic for most marvel villains and setups i don't, I don't know of any Marvel movies that have done a really good job of setting the villain, maybe Shang-Chi uh, recently. But yeah. Kingpin was a pretty unique case. If I had to have one complaint, and I rarely do with this movie, it would just be um, Kingpin was sort of a stand-in to actually have the collider and bring in all the spider yeah, people. Yeah, it, That's about it. it. It definitely feels he's more of a tool than a character at some point yes, in the film. Yes. Um, but I, I, I think it just speaks to sort of, you know, I don't, I don't think... The, all the problems of superhero films lie in the villain and the conflict there. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of that, we can talk about Uncle Aaron for sure because I think oh yeah, his he the way they introduce him, cool uncle. I'm like yes, love cool uncles. Um, and then sort of the reveal of the Prowler, which I mean, coming from knowing the Marvel universe, I under I knew it, it was strange because I knew because there's a whole. There was a whole thing when Donald Glover w- was trying to be, like when the, when they had that whole thing yes. when he was in Homecoming. Yeah. People were like, "Yeah, he's the Prowler." The you know they never really said it mm-hmm. um, in Homecoming, but um, Kira, I knew it, 
But it's really strange because when I when the reveal happened, I was still caught off guard because I think the way him and Miles are set up in sort of the the pseudo father, even though you know mm-hmm. Jefferson's mm-hmm. still there, just the comfort comfortability there, um, the way sort of Aaron interacts with him, the love that's there is really genuine and strong, and I think that made him a really compelling character in the film. Uncle Aaron is like. It, it, I mean, you said it yourself, with great power comes great responsibility. The whole Uncle Ben trope, mm-hmm. you know going in that there is always this like uncle-like figure or someone has to eventually die for Spider-Man to become who he, who he is or who they are. Yeah. Um, so he, I sort of assumed that he was going to reveal himself as a prowler. This is me not even knowing much about Miles Morales. So mm-hmm. I just sort of kind of got the feeling. But the emotional impact that's like it had on the audience, at least when I saw the people around me when I first saw it in yeah. theaters, like it was still really real. Yeah. Uh, he became a much more involved character mm-hmm. than I think Uncle Ben ever did in before, like in any others, um, because the attachment Miles had with uh, Uncle Aaron was so much greater because his dad is like really tough. It's like tough love. I mean, uh, Jefferson, Miles' dad. Yeah, yeah. He uh he basically pushed him to get into visions because he he believes in him. He sees that spark in him and he mm-hmm. wants him to follow through with it. Yeah. Uncle Aaron just wants him to be himself. Yeah. And I think the whole movie is kind of it ties back to Uncle Aaron and like how do you be yourself, be successful, how do you tie that together and do what you love to be your own person and identity? And when he when Uncle Aaron eventually this is a spoiler, I guess, as he said in the beginning, that yeah. he he does eventually die. Um there is that moment when Miles' dad comes to the door as Miles is locked up, and he kind of breaks down that tough love persona and, mm-hmm. and, give, and tells him how it really is. Like, he just wants the best for him. He yeah. really wants him to stand out, and but he knows that just do your own thing. Yeah. Do your own thing, and you'll succeed. I, I know you will, because I see that spark. And then we can talk about this much later, but that leads into the payoff and the leap of faith scene. Yeah, um... I, I I think the thing with the thing with Aaron, that that catches me when I th- when I think about it the the whole when they went after that whole hap all happens and they meet up in the dorm mm-hmm. it's it, it's really interesting and kind of almost not funny but like sort of like this is the fate to become Spider Man you yes. have to lose your uncle mm-hmm. or your best friend or whoever somebody that's that close to you that's shown you the love who believes that. You are a hero just being you and sort of, you know, it, it becomes much more of a belief transferred from other people into yourself. And yeah, that that scene with, with his dad, I think is really well done because like it can definitely, it's, speaking of tone, like I think one of the beauties of that scene, I thought about this a lot, is that it can definitely be considered like melodramatic if you, if you can like prod it out the wrong, if you wrote it the wrong way. Right. Not that, not wrong way, but like in a different way, it would feel tonally a bit too heavy. Mm-hmm. Like I think one of the ingenious things was like having Miles not being able to speak, yes. him being behind a door, Jefferson knowing that he's behind the door because he can see. So there is that connection, but you know, as an audience, we're not really seeing the face-to-face interaction that might make it just a bit like ah. Oh. And I think mm-hmm. I, I and possibly even like. I think not being them not seeing each other, but knowing what Miles is thinking, 
thinking that, Dad, I want to tell you I'm Spider-Man, mm-hmm. um, but he can't. It's it's really powerful in just what is not said and what's not shown as much as what is said in that scene. I mean, the choices they made for that scene were, like you said, it could have gone really, really wrong. And it just would have broken down the whole like buildup in mm-hmm. this movie. Like, Miles has to transform. He has to follow this cruel fate that all Spider-People have before him. Yeah. So him being tied up, not able to speak, like you said, and this whole barrier being broken down between them, this uncomfortability that they've shared in like the movie. I mean, in the cop car, in the very beginning, when Miles is going to Visions Academy for the first time, there is almost this deep focus between his dad and Miles. Mm -hmm. So they seem so far apart. Yeah, there's a disconnection. Even the cop car, you know, he's in the back behind. Yeah. yeah, And he's, the dad's in the front. There's like already a disconnect at the beginning, even though we know there's a love there. Yes. But it's at this point that we realize and that's what makes it great. I mean, like even even the cage that he's sitting behind, uh, his dad can see him. But in the room, like they're they're behind a door, but this is the one moment where they truly see each other, Mm -hmm. even though they can't actually physically see them so jefferson sees his son's shadow underneath the door he knows he's there he's just gonna take the time to pour his heart out and miles actually sits down for the first time and listens to him Mm -hmm. so i I just i love that i think it's brilliant i think the like the rest of the movie wouldn't have worked at all yeah and it's interesting because i um, not to play i like to play Like, like, I, 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 thinking about Spider-Man: Homecoming, and sort of, I think, I I would argue in Spider-Man: Homecoming, there's a similar moment of just him, uh, uh, Tom Holland's character realizing, his Peter Parker realizing how, where his strength in Spider-Man comes from internally, the same way as Miles. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's weird because I, I find. The Miles much more convincing because in Tom Holland's version, it's when the vulture basically collapses the building and he yeah. finds mm-hmm. through the strength that he is Spider-Man, which is great. And I, I think that was a really compelling moment and I think very different than what we've seen. Mm-hmm. But with Miles, it's the relationships, it's the people, it's those small moments mm-hmm. that weirdly, it's, it's such a poetic moment in the film, which you don't really expect with most superhero films that sort of poetry like um i mean not to get into eternals but like i think there was definitely an attempt to get there yeah um yeah and i don't know where it went wrong i'm not gonna try to forensic that but like i think this movie accomplishes the sort of small intimate moments about you know the love of humanity and sort of how that makes us all better (laughs) and it's a beautiful message it's a great message it's a fucking great message (laughs) (laughs) i mean like Spider-Man Homecoming, I, I like the movie still. I just want to yeah, say that out yeah. right. But I think the message they were trying to bring in that moment when he he takes his sort of leap of faith mm-hmm. is that, like, if you're nothing without the suit, you're nothing at all. Which yeah. I think kind of misses the mark of what Spider-Man's all about. Spider-Man, or at least the concept, is that um, it's a person with a lot of problems. They go through a lot of struggles and how they handle their relationships and them, themselves and how they actually take that leap of faith to become a spider person. That's what defines them. So I think they they interpreted uh, how he becomes Spider-Man differently in Homecoming than um, in uh, Into the Spider-Verse, which I think is why I like this more. This truly captures what I, what, at least I've always liked Spider-Man, even since I was like a kid watching Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what was my main draw, at least what was accomplished in Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I, I can I can keep going on about like the crux. I, I of like the movie. I'm here to listen. So keep 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 going on, Max. This is interesting. Yeah. I mean, one of the most important lines in the movie was done as a cameo by Stan Lee as a joke. Yeah. I mean, he he's saying like they all fit eventually. This is in reference to when. Miles Morales, after getting bitten by the spider, he goes to the uh, like this party city like collectible shop and buys like this, like tacky, weird Spider Man costume. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and this is like the one of the last Stanley cameos that actually happens. And it's a really short line, and they even it references like a sign that says "No refunds." Yeah. Or something like. <laughs> it, it, it's all a joke, but it's a huge deal and the reason why so many people relate to Spider Man. Because anyone can wear the mask. Yeah. And that's, it's, oh my god, that's told throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's even like one of the ending lines. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Spider Man does not work if we don't see ourselves in some capacity in Peter Parker, in mm-hmm. Miles Morales, and Gwen Stacy, all these spider beings, we can see ourselves in in them. Mm-hmm. And that's why that, 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 that line, I, I, forget it and i feel like i shouldn't forget it and i feel like it should be talked about more for sure because um yeah great great cameo Mm -hmm. but also like a really really powerful line yeah yeah definitely i was thinking about it for sure there there are so many moments like that in this movie where these throwaway lines are actually so important to like the development of miles and miles isn't just like he is the main character but he's sort of acting as everyone watching like this this growth that everyone watching is going through like everyone is afraid to take probably those next steps in their future but i mean miles he is that like that puppet for you you can emulate yourself through miles or any of the spider people that's what spider-man is all about yeah and like i'm also thinking about sort of the a throwaway line like when um, mary jane is giving the you know, huge funeral wake talk oh, yeah, yeah. In, in the church when the park Peter Parker and Miles' universe dies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a line where she's like, we, we, Peter sort of made us all believe that we could be Spider-Man, mm-hmm. uh, that, that you could be Spider-Man. And then Miles says something along the lines of, I think she's talking about me. And the guy, and the guy from like the left just leans in and she's like, and he's like, I don't think he's talking about you. She's talking about you specifically. Which... In a sense, yeah. But like, if you think about that more, like in in relation to the whole, they all fit. Like, mm-hmm. she is sort of talking about it. the the power of Spider Man, sort of reaffirmed, and even in those small jokes like that, mm-hmm. which is great for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Uh, actually, just just a quick little piece of trivia. Like the whole thing, they really uh, really like Stan Lee, um, and they. They wanted to bring him in, of course, for this. In fact, every animator wanted to animate Stanley one time. So if you look at the train scenes very carefully, there's one Stanley. I'm like almost every train scene. Really? Yeah, yeah. So that's oh just a small gosh. thing. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Oh wow. I mean, he, he even has a little a little quote in the end that yeah. relates back to Spider-Man. If, yeah. If you watch it at the end, but but enough of that. It's just a little piece of trivia. Yeah. I mean, good trivia to know for sure. <laughs> it was interesting. I I. I I, I wanted to maybe pivot a bit in the conversation to yeah, sort totally. of the future of Spider. Because the thing, I mean, we talked about it earlier, the beauty of this film is that it's quite standalone in just how unconnected it is. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's connected to other spider beings in this universe, which universe seems to be a very subjective term when it comes yeah, to Spider-Man, because, yeah. like, they're all just coming together now. Um, but um, I, I'm sort of excited. I'm very excited for the... For the uh, 
for it's called across the spider verse is it, is, is that confirmed i think so i, I thought so uh, i could be here let me check this yeah i I, rem- I know that it was an animator uh at an independent studio he actually put on his imd page that he was i'm oh, sorry imdb page that he was working on it and yeah. he did title it across the spider verse so that oh. was the only only thing that we got that's mm. a possible yeah I, I, I actually i'm yeah, it doesn't seem like there's like an official announcement. It still says like into the Spider Man verse, into the Spider Verse two on like IMDb. So I yeah. don't think, but that'll be cool. But yeah, I mean, bringing in, I don't think we talked about the post credit scene, but like there's there's oh, the meme, yeah. the Spider Man meme, which is great, and then also the cameo of Oscar Isaac as like Spider Man twenty ninety nine, which Oscar Isaac's killing it right now. Moon Knight. Moon. It. I. I love the, the thirty seconds of him just having like a really weird sort of bad mm-hmm. British accent, but I'm like all for just like him just being like I'm just like really like small British guy, but then he's beating the shit in like this white <laughs> suit, which looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Ethan Hawke is a villain in that. I did not know that for like a minute. Um, really? Yeah. I was. I was. I was listening. I went down a rabbit hole, but so he's the villain. He like based his the villain in Moon Knight off of like a cult leader, yeah, yeah, and the reason he's in it was like he wasn't he didn't audition like apparently like Oscar Isaac and him lived like a couple blocks away in Brooklyn, and like Oscar Isaac approached Ethan Hawke and he's like yeah, I like first reformed and stuff like that and he was like thanks and he's like do you want to do this Marvel thing with me and Ethan Hawke's like why not and I'm like <laughs> I, I I love stories like that I love the story behind the making of a film where it's just like any sort of TV series that's really cool oh yeah like I, I mean another side conversation but yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like um, the art I mean th- that's where for me art's most interesting is the story like mm-hmm. I think that's the thing I, I learned I had to take like five years of art history in high school um, and the, like for the first four years I really didn't get why I had to do it and why like I, like after four years I was just like alright I'm, I'm just not gonna like paintings anymore which you know I'll just be one of those many people. But um, (laughs) like by the fifth year, I had this teacher. He was really great. And the reason I started connecting with paintings and story is the stories behind the paintings, Mm -hmm. like the stories of the creators, how it was made. I think that context of this all just makes it really great. It's also really fun gossip in recent times. But it also just adds like a lot of meaning when you know, especially if if works come from more of a personal place and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, you, you, okay, for the future, like, this is in direct reference to Oscar Isaac playing Spider-Man 2099, yeah. right? Okay. So, I'm very excited for it. He's definitely a fan favorite character. Everyone loves Spider-Man 2099. Yeah. I played a whole video game, what I think, was it Spider-Man? Isn't it, like, Webs of Time? I think so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I played one video game. Which, okay. Anyway, continue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I am so excited because I'm always in it for more Spider-Verse now. I mean, I've watched this movie, oh my god, I don't even know how many times, 30, 40. But <laughs> anything with more Spider-Verse is I'm all for. But I think Brooklyn and like escaping New York is somewhat of a worry for me. And I don't know why. I think it's because New York plays such a huge role, like the city itself, actually, in these characters, especially for Miles. I yeah. mean, like, it, you, you see the compare and contrast, like, uh, Miles grew up in Brooklyn, uh, but Peter Parker grew up in Queens. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and there's such an identity to it, I think, as well, especially with uh, Uncle Aaron. Like, yeah, like the New York graffiti scene is something that's huge, like very important to Miles mm-hmm. in his development as his own Spider Sona. Uh, 
And I mean, living up to these great expectations, like in a city where everything is go, go, go. I mean, across the Spider-Verse, if they travel across and meet other spider people from different dimensions, great. I'm all for that. I just hope they still stay down to earth, I guess, not like leaving too much behind or uh, emphasizing the setting too yeah. much. I mean, I think that's, I was thinking about Leap of Faith thing. We could probably talk about that all too. I would love but to like, talk about that. But the, like, the shot, and this is like one of the shots that are probably all across the internet. It's what we use. We, By the way, for those that aren't in film club that are maybe listening to this, we have like random listeners from Columbus. It's really weird. What? That's so cool though. Uh, it's, I'm pretty sure it's a spot. Uh, I highly doubt we have 72 listens over a week in Columbus. Shout I, out Columbus. I highly doubt there's 70. <laughs> Shout out to Columbus, Ohio, if you're listening for sure. But, uh, um, no, but we use this in, in Film Club because this was the first movie we watched week one of this quarter. But mm-hmm. um, it's a scene where it's sort of the camera's upside down. He's falling, but it looks like he's falling. He's like rising. It, it, it's hard to describe, but it's sort of like he's, he's he's falling to the ground. He's just like falling, but like the camera's reversed. So it looks like he's going up to the ground, mm-hmm. which symbolically is just like the whole point of the whole journey of miles is in that shot you know he's finding how to be powerful he's rising up to be a hero in terms through his connections with you know spider beings his Mm -hmm. dad specifically because that scene comes right after the whole um dad son thing in the dorm and Oh my god! I could literally spend hours talking about the leap of faith scene, but yeah. I'll I'll try my best to keep it short. Um, I I truly think that was the scene that just sold it for me as like one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. I mean, the leap of faith scene is special because I also follow along. I followed along with the script sometimes for a couple scenes that just really like interested me. And yeah. In one of the early drafts, like that scene, that part you're talking about in the scene where he is not just actually falling to the ground, they say in the in the action line he is rising. So that's that's a really really cool thing because they, they wanted to emphasize this. It's a huge point that he's not like falling into the city, but he's actually like rising above it and rising into it. So the leap of faith scene, I think, is the best example of a setup and payoff in a movie that goes well. Yeah, I mean. I, I can I can talk about a couple shots. Do you just want to say something? I go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is the whole point of like Spider Man. I mean, you have to fill these expectations, and and Miles the entire time he wants to be like Peter Parker, mm-hmm. but that's part of the problem. Every Spider Person is so unique, and they and there's a scene in in the Spider Lair when they're visiting, trying to come up with a plan and fix the goober which is the hard drive yes. that's the nickname of the hard drive goober yes um he's getting like cornered by all these spider people and they're telling them their or sorry they're telling him their ideas on how to be a spider person like can you can you get up after being knocked down can you hardwire a mainframe while getting shot out from every direction <laughs> like every single person has their own thing but miles doesn't have his own and i think he's sort of afraid and like to embrace that so the leap of fate scene is super special because he's not just becoming his own spider-man but it's sort of how like you have to take that step in life anything you do sort of be your own person it's scary like there's a like a dutch tilt actually which is like a camera turn like everything is kind of off tilt all the lines are not centered Mm -hmm. when spider uh, or miles is clinging to the wall 
about to jump off the building high above the city and like they really ramp this up with what's up danger which yeah. is we could talk about the score Squ- oh, the oh my soundtrack gosh. is fucking Ooh, amazing on this so good oh yes <laughs> I'm not that in my nose yet. He didn't talk about the sound. That's fine. Yeah, it's it, fine. Continue, continue that. Yeah, we'll get to it. <laughs> he he's so scared. You can tell like he everything's going through his head right now. And like earlier as well, he was like looking at the spider suits in the lair, and his face wasn't matching up with one of the suits. He had to look up to it. Yeah. But then in the in like the uh, in the flashback, it reveals he went back later. He mm-hmm. looked at it, and then his face actually matched the suit. So the whole thing was you just had to look at it from a different perspective. He is not that Spider-Man, but he is still Spider-Man. Yeah. So he's he takes that jump and the glass flies off. Mm-hmm. And it's not just from sheer force, but like it means he was still sticking to the wall. Yeah. He still doesn't have full control. He was so afraid that he was clutching the wall, but he just had to jump. Mm-hmm. And so we get that moment where he's finally taking that leap and he's becoming his own Spider-Person. and. I mean, can I, sorry, can I keep going? Keep going. I, oh I, I, I'll, I'll add one thing that I've just been thinking about, which yeah. is also just in relation to the suit. His suit, like the way he sort of co-ops one yes. of Peter Parker's suits, spray paints it, it looks, it, it's beautiful. Like one of the things that I love about movies is that movies are like made by people and it's great when characters, they're t- like the characters touch it feels like they're touching the world around them. Yes. They're not yeah. just like these solitary people just, and so seeing the spray paint and how he designed, not even designed, but just like went at it, made Spider-Man his own thing and then just used it. Like, great. <laughs> I, I, going off of the whole, you know, making Spider-Man your own thing. Like mm-hmm. that, his suit is literally, he made Spider-Man his own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm basically just doing a scene breakdown here. Like, now, <laughs> it's, it's like, as he's falling now, or so I guess I should say rising, because yeah. they show that sh- amazing shot. Yeah. I mean, it cuts to him putting on the web slingers that make. She says they fit perfectly, tying back to that whole Stanley thing, saying mm-hmm. they, 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 they fit all. eventually. It's all a matter of a change of perspective. And then he finally uh, shoots the webs. They stick. Then we start the action sequence where it ties back every single thing that he has like either sort of messed up on because he was trying to copy the other Spider-Man. He develops his own web-slinging style with parkour and running mixed with web-slinging uh, because that wasn't working for him before. He yeah. can't do that. He has to do his own thing. I mean, Spider-Gwen, she's graceful. She's like very like ballerina-like in the way she moves. Mm-hmm. And Peter E. Parker, he's casual. He's been doing it for like, what, 20 years? Yeah. He's like, he's he's an old old fuck at this time. So <laughs> he he's, he's sort of just like into the motions, but he runs on walls. And I this is something I sort of noticed. It really mimics that of Uncle Aaron's movement mm-hmm. as the Prowler. He's really combined uh, his uncle's movement into his own sort of like movement as Spider-Man. Yeah. Like there's a scene where they're actually the same alleyway and he's jumping up the same way his uncle did. He's climbing up a flag, the same one he fell in earlier. He's shooting up in the sky, the same way he was falling down earlier. Mm-hmm. And then finally, when he hits the landing, like takes that moment, takes off the mask, and he breathes, uh, he gets his own he gets his own comic book cover. And I think that's just one of the greatest like scenes ever. Yeah. It's yeah. just payoff, uh, setting up his identity. Yeah. And yeah, I'll I'll let you talk. I talk. Oh no no no! Like it's it's what I, I think the beauty's there's no dialogue in it. Yep. Like it's pure visual storytelling, mm-hmm. and if you watch the rest of the movie pretty well, you you get yes. all the emotional payoffs are just in the glass flying callbacks to Prowler. Like yeah. it's great. Yeah. It's great storytelling. 
Why can't we watch these? Everyone needs to watch this movie. <laughs> yes. That's just what we're saying. 100%. Multiple times, actually. It's, yes. The more you watch it, the more you enjoy you, it. Yeah. Oh, 1,000%. 1,000%. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. You want to talk about the soundtrack? Oh, man. I you, was, you go ahead. I, I was enough. I was listening to that. I mean, score's good. Mm-hmm. Score's pretty good. If the soundtrack, though, the whole album that they made, or the, the, I, that they made for the Spider-Verse movie, mm-hmm. I every time I, like, am preparing to watch it, or I've watched it, there's, like, a week where it, that's pretty much the number one thing I, mm-hmm. I, I listen to that week. Um, I think it's really powerful. It's great song, just in general. Like, even outside of the whole Spider-Man thing, um, they're great songs, great artists, um, you got like ski mask on it, which oh, is yeah. crazy. Nice. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's it, it, and I think they use it really well. Like the opening, man. the The best thing about Miles is like, like the minute I got hooked, like was moment one number one because the introduction to Miles is he's drawing, and he does the same thing that I do when like I like hear a song maybe like a couple times, but it's really catchy. It's like mm, mm, I keep her. <laughs> Sunflower by uh, yeah. Post Malone and was it Sway Lee? Yeah. 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 So he he's singing the song from the soundtrack, just like like the the song had been out for like probably like a couple weeks before then. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. the fact that like I listened to it, I kinda went through the same experience the Miles did like a couple weeks before. I mean, that's just great. Yeah, the the whole soundtrack's just great for sure. I mean I I, I think um they really, really tried to give it their all in this one. And I, I know for the next Spider-Verse, actually, they're going to bring in uh, Spider-Woman, uh, which is going to be played by Issa Rae. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, I did hear yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. That's going to be cool. Issa, I mean, if you know her and you know her show, Insecure, it's, a, cure. it's, it's a great great. show. And yeah. she always curates the music very, very well. Mm. So hopefully maybe she can bring in, do some music production. I don't know. I'm a big be, fan. That would be cool for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, but yeah, What's the Danger with Black Caviar and Black Way? Yeah. They're, I mean, that that's like the key song. But also, I mean, like you talked about the score, mm-hmm. like the Prowler's theme. theme is really good. Yeah. It, it's very striking and like sinister, but it's not like, it's not evil. It's just intimidating, mm-hmm. I guess. Because yeah. like the, the Prowler's not like, scary i guess or you could argue that but he's just very intimidating to me yeah i mean it, I, and i think if you went for that intimidation i think you would even feel a bit different it, it'd be really contradictory to knowing the love that's behind the mask of aaron yeah you know, it, I, I think if you play that up too much definitely it yeah. strikes a completely different tone i mean if you, you look at the same like in what's a danger in the prowler's theme like, mm-hmm. like the, the notes are almost the identical yeah so like yeah. It, the way they use music to also like connect characters are really cool yeah yeah, I'm. I'm trying to think. I I've run out of talking points. Um, I, I don't was know there why. Any, was there anything else that you were thinking of you wanted to bring up? I mean, we talked about the soundtrack and the score, right. which I are great points. Yeah. But I, I majority I wanted to talk about the leap of faith scene, which I I did earlier, just because I think there is no better example of how to um, with uh, wordless storytelling, I guess, than that scene. It's it's a magical moment. It can strike a chord with anyone yeah. watching this movie. Everyone needs to go watch yes. it um, multiple times if you can. Yes. Please, I mean, yes. I even bought it. And I don't really buy movies anymore. I don't think anyone does. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, I take it off Netflix, so it's yeah. another reason to buy it. Yes, um, definitely, it's out there. It's not mm-hmm. hard to find it at um, all. Nope, nope, nope. No, um, and I would I would concur with you here. You see it if you have not seen it. Because um, it is definitely one of the best movies of the last couple of years that I can remember. Yeah, um, definitely for sure. So yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's the pod. So 
Hopefully you liked our voices. Thank you for sticking around with us. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Thanks. Love you back here anytime, anytime. (laughs) But yeah, um, if you liked what you heard here today, um, if you're interested in learning more about UW Film Club, um, you can follow us on social media uh, at Film Club UW on Twitter and Instagram. If you're interested in more of our podcast episodes, um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Um, and if you're interested in coming on, if you're in the UW community, you know, if you want to be on the podcast, we have a podcast forum feed. You can probably contact our social media or like come to our meetings. Um, you can find me. It's not that hard. I'm around. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's it for this pod. Um, thanks for thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye, y'all.